Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. Tonight, we will be talking about the newest film from Jane Campion. That's right. The Power of the Dog. Deliver my soul from the sword. <laughs> my darling from the Power of the Dog. Is this a famous song? Uh, no, it's a. It is a biblical verse from. Oh, you're doing the, like a. You're doing like a, a pastor impersonation. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm just. Im, I'm impassioned uh, with this. Fair enough. With this wonderful with this wonderful verse. I'm moved by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so yeah, that's what we'll be talking about today. Starring Benedict uh, Cumberbatch, Kristen Dunst. Sorry, not Kristen. Kirsten Dunst. And Jesse Plemons. And Cody Smith McPhee. Cody Smith McPhee, that's right. Um, Why don't you kick us off with the synopsis, Adam? Let me just tell you, I do not like the way the synopsis is written. Oh, yeah, you know what? Me neither. Should we just, you want to do your own synopsis? You want to wing it? Yes, I'm going to wing it. All right. Um, Two brothers, uh, Phil and George Burbank, own a successful ranch in Montana when uh, Brother George brings home a new bride, uh, Rose Gordon, played by Kirsten Dunst. Uh, It creates a rift between the two brothers as Phil uh, begins to torment Rose and her young son, Peter. Yeah, and just just let's end it there. That is my my synopsis. Yes. I'm with you that the synopsis on IMDb is either just poorly written or deliberately misleading either way not really a good description of the movie right um let's talk about expectations so this is on netflix this is a netflix original that we're getting into i think in many episodes this year we've talked about you know the netflix movie machine and how Mm -hmm. it sort of cranks out mediocrity most of the year but now we're getting into the end of the year where Netflix starts releasing their good stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, um, the the ones where they get the big directors and the big you know talent, um, and this is one example of that. So this is one of Netflix's probably awards hopefuls. I'm guessing. Yes, absolutely. This is, I think, one of the one of the two big sort of forays they have into uh, award season for sure. Okay. Um, that said, I was not familiar with Jane Campion. Uh, how about you? Oh, Jane? really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had some familiarity. I, I don't know her entire filmography, but I had certainly seen The Piano, uh, and I had watched her TV show, Top of the Lake. Okay. Uh, and so as far as um, expectations for this, those, those that film, The Piano <clears throat> and, uh, and Top of the Lake, I think... Um, she has a very specific way of making me uncomfortable. Not mm. like not like grossed out, not like, you know, it's not like it's I'm not disturbed. I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I and that's sort of um unlike I think other things that make me uncomfortable, it's sort of a it's a feeling I actually enjoy mm. because she's such a um a ca- in my opinion, such a capable filmmaker uh, and storyteller 
that I know that it's going to pay off in a it's purposeful, interesting, purposeful, mm-hmm. deliberate way, as opposed to, oh, I just felt weird the entire time and then it ended. You know what right, I mean? Right. As opposed to they just like couldn't get the pacing right, <laughs> or the actors right. like or gave a weird performance for no good reason or things like that. Right. 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 I, I so feel were like. So you looking um, forward to this then? Sounds like. Yeah, I definitely was. I mean, and you know, as much as one can, when you know you're a little bit nervous about it, right? Right. Um, I knew that there was an uh, aspect of sort of torment in this film. I didn't know what form it would take, um, and so I was quite nervous uh, that you know the character played by Benedict Cumberbatch, Phil Burbank, was going to do things to rose or her son peter that would you know be scarring or difficult to endure Mm. right Mm -hmm. um and so in that regard i was sort of braced Mm. throughout the duration of the film uh until um well i actually won't spoil anything uh but i was i was pretty braced for the for the bulk of the film for like a shoe to drop or something Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know really discomforting to happen um and uh, I think the film uses that feeling to its to its advantage, for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like that's kind of Jane Campion's thing, um, making you making you a little uneasy for perhaps a, the bulk of a story, right? And possibly There's, then leading you to you know some destination that that serves. Yeah. Without revealing sort of the 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 punchline of the TV show top of the lake. That's a show that stars Elizabeth Moss as a detective, uh, investigating the, um, disappearance of a child. Um, and that show has a way of revealing what it's about in a way that it's not, it's completely earned. Uh, but you don't quite see it coming. Like, you don't quite get what's happening mm-hmm. until the very end. Um, and and then it's, frankly, a little devastating, right? Which is sort of like the feeling I was expecting. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. gosh. Mm-hmm. It's going to, like, slowly come into focus what's happening here. And it's going to be awful, isn't it? Mm. Right? Um, and so, uh, so yeah, that, that was sort of the... Um, the game that I feel like I was playing was like trying to anticipate and understand what everybody, what's going to happen in this story. And at one point uh, we had, we had paused it because, you know, do it just to take a, a break uh, at one point And I turned to my wife and I was sort of delighted. I was like, uh, this is maybe two thirds of the way through the movie. I was like, I kind of love this because I actually don't exactly know what anybody's motivation is, mm-hmm. right? I don't know exactly what these characters are trying to achieve, right? Which makes like their behavior a little bit mysterious and unpredictable. Yeah. 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 Um, same. Yeah. So, uh, what'd you think? I mean, <laughs> you know, we're talking a lot about sort of how the movie made you feel. Uh, when the credits rolled, how did you feel uh, having seen it all the way to the end? I thought it was great. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. 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 How did you feel about it? Me too. Well, I didn't know anything. I didn't see a trailer for this. Um, I didn't even really know the premise. Uh, 
I knew Benedict Cumberbatch was in it. You know what the one like kind of random fact I knew about it was I think hmm. I'd seen maybe a few headlines for based on interviews or whatever that were that were like Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst didn't talk on the set of The Power of the Dog. Right. And I was like, okay. And and, it, and you know, I got I gathered that it was sort of like to stay true to their characters. And I was like, okay, so they're two characters that really don't like each other in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's basically all I knew, and I was not familiar with Jane Campion's prior work, so I had really no expectations other than I knew this was sort of, you know, one of Netflix's big prestige kind of award season, um, you know, swings. And yeah. so I was, I was expecting top tier, you know, like given it their all performances from the actors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I just kind of figured it would be like beautifully shot, beautiful cinematography, great score, all that stuff. Um, and I was, and I was looking forward to that and the mystery of not knowing any more than that. And, uh, you know, I think I understand what, (laughs) what you're talking about now with Jane Campion, having seen the movie. Uh, it does feel like a significant portion of this movie is dedicated to, um, making you uncomfortable and making you really making you sort of feel um, pity for Kristen Dunn's character Rose mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know um, anger I guess you could say towards uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character Phil like you're not supposed to like him right he's he comes across as very cruel right um, but then, uh, but then, uh, you know, ultimately not knowing, like you said, where the story's going, what's, what's ultimately going to happen with Phil and with Rose and with her son, um, and with Phil's brother, uh, I found the ending to be, uh, when the movie, you know, wrapped, I found it to be very satisfying and very, um, yeah, just very, uh, I was very impressed. I thought it was, I thought it was a great kind of way to end the story. Right. Um, and so, so I loved it. So it sounds like we both liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, it's also, I will say it's also one of those movies that the more time has passed, it has definitely held up. Like it's not, it was not like a short lived high that's sort of the day after you're like, uh, eh, maybe it wasn't so special. I'm, I'm sort of more like, uh, this is really, this is really something special for me. Um, yeah. Something that's going to stick with me. And I like, um, there's a lot that's unique about it. I felt that mm-hmm. we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I loved it when the credits rolled, and I still feel like I loved it. So that's saying something. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a movie that um, I loved thinking about. I immediately. Wa- uh, I haven't actually yet, but I immediately wanted to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's something that. Uh, we've been talking about in my household, mm. uh, which you know, it's it's just sort of like it's a it's a movie that is really really rewards close watching and then you know discussion and thought mm-hmm. afterward, which is you know I think despite the fact that we um, you know that we have a podcast where we regularly talk you know for sixty seventy eighty minutes about a movie, mm-hmm. uh, I think frequently we will start this podcast about a film and we'll be like, I don't know that I necessarily have a ton of opinions about this one. Let's right. talk about it and see. Uh, I think I am not worried at all about us having a lot of uh, thoughts about this film, uh, which is, I think, 
you know, indicative of its of its staying power, of its um, of the depth that it has, and its ability to sort of like tickle different parts of your brain. Yeah, yeah, um, right, right. It's it, there. I'm with you. I don't have any concerns that we're gonna like run out of things to say about this movie. We're, we will. We will probably need to wrap it up at some point when there's still plenty is plenty more to say. Just sure, in absolutely. The interest of time. Yeah. Um, but you know, I actually have something to propose, which is, I feel like we should hold off on themes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If you don't mind, I feel like okay. it's difficult to talk about themes without kind of getting into spoiler territory. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Um, right. So. Uh, well, actually, maybe we don't have to hold off. We can do it either way you want. I think it makes the most sense to just kind of go ahead and say we're going to start spoiling the movie like now, but then right. talk about like best parts of the movie, fix the movie if we want to do that, and then kind of call it themes at the end. Does sure. That, does that's that work? Totally, yeah, let's do it. That's um, fine. Okay. So, uh, so the way the movie does end is uh, you, want to, you want to describe it? <laughs> Sure. So, I find it very the, satisfying and yet enigmatic at the same time. I don't know if you yeah, feel the same way. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, the conflict as it emerges is basically between Phil and Rose, and Phil takes it upon himself to, um, to psychologically sort of needle Rose to the point where she feels so intimidated and unnerved by the way that Phil uh, treats her that she refuses to leave her room and basically devolves into like full, yeah, just complete alcoholism, uh, storing bottles throughout the house, outside the house, et cetera. Um, And so uh, as she sort of hits rock bottom, her son... Peter uh, starts to spend more time with Phil and um, begins to impress Phil in ways that I think are surprising to Phil, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where Phil is this very rugged uh, outdoorsman, rancher, um, and it sort of conceals the fact that you learn throughout the film that he is an Ivy League educated, you know, uh, like person who's well schooled in like the Greek classics, right? Um, and so he, there's an intellect underneath his sort of rancher exterior. So as he and Phil, as Phil and Peter begin to spend more time together, um, riding, uh, you know, going into the to the hills, um, you start to sort of wonder. Uh, why are both of these two interested in spending time with one another? Um, and so without getting into all of the subtext, which I think we absolutely need to talk about, but just from a plot perspective, you, you sort of want me just to sort of reveal how just it ends from a, just a basic plot perspective point of view. Yeah. 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 So by the, so um, what ends up happening is, Phil takes it upon himself to uh, what's the what's the right verb? Is it weave? Is he weaving? Uh, he I don't know. Braiding. He's braiding. That's yeah, what he's yeah, doing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he braids a rope. He has the intention of braiding a rope uh, to give to Peter, 
And at one point in the film, he, through a series of events, doesn't have enough uh, hide, uh, like uh, raw cow hide, yeah. rawhide, to uh, to complete the rope. And it's very upsetting to him. And so um, Peter offers up some, some rawhide that he has acquired, uh, and Phil uses that to complete the rope. Uh, if For those paying close attention, you know that Peter has gotten this rawhide from a cow that has been diseased with uh, anthrax and that Phil, during the course of braiding the rope, in order to soften the rawhide appropriately, submerges it in water and the toxins from the anthrax-ridden rawhide uh, make their way into a cut in Phil's hand that he sustained earlier in the film. The following morning, after having completed this rope, Phil wakes up deathly ill. Uh, his brother George takes him to the doctor where he dies. Yep. And you are <clears throat> left thinking about what series of events brought us to the point where Peter saw a series of opportunities to uh, remove Phil from the equation in such a way that he's basically completely, no one suspects that he had anything to do with it at all. Not even remotely suspected. Uh, And and it's just a, uh, the way I'm describing it, it sounds very matter of fact, but the fact that the film begins with you viewing Phil as the alpha, the alpha dog in this metaphor, and Peter as sort of a very helpless, weak person. And by the end of the film, it almost feels like that power dynamic has nearly inverted by the end. Uh, well, certainly when Phil is dead. <laughs> certainly, right. Um, but just just sort of like the gradual transformation of that relationship and the gradual way you begin to understand what Peter's end game is, mm-hmm. is just revealed so subtly and masterfully. Uh, and the fact that <clears throat> Phil, I found my, I found this sort of uh, creeping like awe and sort of like shock that as this plot was playing out, I found myself increasingly protective and concerned for Phil, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Where I was like, oh no, he doesn't, he has no idea mm-hmm. what is happening. And um, he is a clearly damaged person who is just starting to contemplate the idea that maybe he might find like meaningful human connection with another person Mm -hmm. and that is ultimately weaponized against him to his utter demise right right Right. and so just that like that that sort of emotional maneuvering to get me as a viewer to that place despite the fact that i begin the film like really really disliking this character and thinking Mm -hmm. he's kind of an awful person and the fact that i feel sympathy for him by the end of the film and uh, it's just sort of a, a pretty amazing 
to me series of events. So I've now described the plot and some of the things about that how that plot sort of struck me. Um, what I, I'm sure I left important parts out. What how how are you how do you think about sort of the ending and what are there details that I omitted that you that you think are important? Um, well, we we can get into some details. I don't I don't think you omitted anything important, but I do have a question for you, which is it sounds like you really saw the end coming before it came. Like when did you realize what was happening? Was it was it as soon as Peter suggested that Phil could use his rawhide? Was it was it as soon as he kind of cut up the cow? What It was When did you it, see those things starting to fall into place? It was when um Peter suggested that he had rawhide. Wow. I and, I, I I mean, I didn't, you're such a more uh, attentive uh, watcher than I am. I didn't, I literally didn't see, didn't understand what happened until Phil was already dead and there was that little bit of dialogue of the, uh, you know. Like the town doctor or whatever. Yeah, whoever, telling telling Phil's brother, like, you know what I'm thinking? Anthrax, right? Right. And then, and then. Phil's brother, um, what's his name, John or George? George, um, and George is like, no, that can't be. He he made it a point to never, you know, deal he's, with. Yeah, dead he's animals. very particular about that. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, for me, it was like it, it took that for it to all click together for me. Of like, oh my gosh, the cow, the yeah. rawhide, you know. Um, so good for you for having <laughs> pieced it together much sooner. Um, but I guess. It's worth saying. So for you, it was remarkable how the movie kind of shifted you and and made you worried for Phil. I was much less mm-hmm. worried because I hadn't put it all, that all together as it was happening. Yeah, uh, I agree with you though. I'm starting to feel more sympathetic towards him for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think on the flip side, for me, an, something that was it, it certainly became clear by the end that Phil had actual genuine affection for um, Peter. Right. But initially, when he started, you know, deciding to be more friendly towards him. Right. It was very unclear to me. And I, th- I think it's I think it's ambiguous. I think you can interpret it either way. It was very unclear to me what his motivation then was. Well, it's funny. I okay so we a name we haven't mentioned that's like the most one of the more important characters in the movie that you never meet Bronco Henry is Bronco Henry right so <clears throat> Phil uh sort of provides a little bit of like time stamping here where he basically these these brothers are probably in their they're probably like about 40 maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right uh, maybe a little younger perhaps um and uh, they describe how 25 years ago, Bronco Henry taught both of them everything they needed to know about ranching. And that, um, and so we know that they were probably something like young teenagers, mm-hmm. right, during that time. Uh, and we know that at a different point in the film that Phil uh, comments that, well, I mean, let's be let's make it clear. It becomes very apparent uh, over the course of the film that Phil had a uh, uh, like a homoerotic relationship with uh, 
with Bronco Henry um, and like deeply uh, is deeply affected by that. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the way that I read it was that Bronco Henry was predatory in his approach to Phil mm-hmm. and groomed him and like got him alone and basically took advantage of like a young boy, right? Mm-hmm. A teenage boy, um, which Phil has never, uh, I don't recovered is maybe too strong of a word, but he, it, it, it defines it's him. It shaped him. Yeah. Right. Um, and so to be clear, I, uh, the way I read it was that Phil is attempting to engage in the same type of predatory behavior that, he was the victim of, and he's attempting to do that with Peter. Mm. That is the way that I read his intentions during well, those that, sequences. That strikes me as very possible. I, I don't. I don't know how much. Again, you might have picked up on a lot more evidence that that is his intention um, than I did. That that I might have just missed. But I feel like this movie, in general, doesn't give you a lot of direct. Um, direct evidence for what pe- why people are doing the things they're doing. It's I think that's only, right. It's only indirect and you sort of can infer. But so to me, it's like that's one possible explanation. What I initially mm-hmm. thought, which I also think is possibly what his intention could have been at the beginning, I thought it was purely another tactic to torment Rose. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, what'll really uh, drive this woman crazy is if I become like best friends with her son and become like a sort of father figure to him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so initially, I thought it was completely, it was completely faked. Like it was, it was superficial. Um, he was pretending to be nice to Peter and and didn't really have any intention to, you know, he wasn't actually interested in him, but was just sort of, hey, right. let me like be really friendly with you and and let's let's like do things together and that it was all about tormenting Rose. I mean, my read a lot through, through that storyline was that that was why he started to yes. befriend Peter. But then as he got to know Peter, he came to actually care about Peter. Right. Right. That was sort of how I read it initially. Another re- reading to me, which I think is similar to, to the, interpretation you brought up but i feel like is not quite the same is that if i remember correctly the chronology of the story there's a there's a scene where um peter kind of finds phil's like secret little fort right Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, including a stash of like nudie magazines with like big muscular men Mm -hmm. and so he sort of you know he clearly understands something about phil at that point and then, and then, either right before or after that, we see Phil like lying in a sort of in a patch in the middle of the woods, just mm-hmm. pulling out this handkerchief uh, mm-hmm. with Bronco Henry's initials on it, and kind of just like caressing himself with it, and then and then sliding it down his pants. So he's clearly like you know, touching himself, fantasizing, having like memories of this homoerotic relationship he talked about. Right. And then Peter comes along not long after that. So um, I guess a third interpretation for me was Phil is 
is now very paranoid that Peter mm-hmm. might know, like he doesn't know what Peter saw. Right. And he's just, he's, he's taking a more of a, just a um, strategic, you know, move to say, I'm going to bring him close. Yeah. To kind of mitigate the risk that he's going to go, you know, run his mouth about seeing me, whatever he saw. Right. Yep. Um, I think it could have been any of those things. Now, like I said, in that latter um, version, it would all, again be the case that it seems like his feelings towards Peter change once they start mm-hmm. to get to actually get to know each other. Yeah. I think a really, um, really elegant sort of quick scene to help convey that is when he's like, look at those hills, right? Yes. Well, yes. And most people just see hills. And then Peter's like, well, I see a dog. And he's like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> right. You just saw that? Um, right. And that's, to me, that's such a, that's such an effective little, little interaction that shows kind of a glimpse into Phil's mind of there's more to this Peter kid than I thought. Right. 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 He's more special than I realized. I, I think that all of the readings that you had, I think they are possibly all simultaneously true. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. I don't know what, what ratio reason one had versus reason two. Each of those. Things. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's kind of not important, but it's kind of why I think it's kind of why I like the movie is because I feel like the characters' decisions are not um, strictly like, uh, well, A happened, thus B, and then B mm-hmm. happened, thus C, and then end of the movie, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, it was kind of like two or three different things happening, and the thing that made the most sense to Phil was like, well, I can't, like, I have this you know, like fundamental grudge that I harbor against Rose. And I'm sort of like uh, very interested in tormenting this boy, mm-hmm. right? Because he kind of disgusts me. But I'm also kind of like, it's like an, it's an attraction and a repulsion simultaneously, right? Right. And then to your, exactly is the same, I had the exact same scene in, scene in mind when he uh when peter sees uh an array of shadows as if it's like the open mouth of a barking dog Mm -hmm. and phil is stunned by this and he almost like feels i think something along the lines of here's another person who actually thinks similarly to me right right and all of a sudden um the the opportunity that he's created to spend more time with the boy takes on a very different rationale, right? He's like, Oh, I might actually want to spend time with this person, not to torment them or their mother, but now because I'm actually interested in spending time with this person. Right. Right. And it's just the, and I feel, and I felt the same way, frankly, about all of Peter's actions as well. Right. Like Peter at one point, um, uh, there's a moment when Rose, Peter's mother, is sort of at rock bottom and she won't leave her room, right? Because she's scared to go to dinner in the same at the same table as Phil. And I don't remember the exact line, but Peter says something to the effect of, I'll take care of it. So mm-hmm. you won't have to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I heard it, but didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Um, yeah. Where it was like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. Cause at this yeah. moment in the film, we barely know Peter, right? Like we, we know that he's been hurt, had his feelings hurt by Phil early in the film when Phil pokes fun at his lisp and burns one of the flowers that Peter constructed out of paper. But, um, and so, but if you think back on it as that being sort of like an instigating moment, like variety of Peter's actions from that point forward are all him just sort of like assembling little advantages, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And not quite knowing how he's going to assemble all of them into He's sharpening his knives. Right, right. right. It's just like creating ways to win, you know? Um, Getting ready. and And the fact that the way that it plays out, I don't believe that Peter had a master plan, right? No. I don't think he anticipated his mother, for example, giving away all of the rawhides to right. it, the it, it was an opportunity. He he kept yeah. his eyes open for an opportunity. Right. And just the fact that that's how these two people are circling each other, right? Mm-hmm. Just sort of like conditions change. I learned something about the other person. My opinion about that person changes. And they're just it's just this gradual circling of one with the other. And both of them thinking or I think Phil especially rather thinking that he has plenty of advantages right um oh, and if sure. you view it and if you view it the way that I did where it's like I think ultimately this is he's his ultimate intention as like to your point he sort of transforms over the course of a few different interactions like becomes more predatory and lustful and sort of like he's grooming Peter for like a weekend away where they can sort of begin maybe having a physical relationship mm-hmm. right that's sort of how I viewed it I think from Phil's point of view right he's like everything's working out to like lead where I want this to go mm-hmm. um, and the fact that Peter recognizes the thrall that he holds yeah. over Phil and begins to use and like manipulate Phil in ways that Phil's completely blind to just the whole series, like everything we're describing is so nuanced and so particular and comes down to specific looks and words and like encounters that these characters have. And everything struck me as adding up to like, of course this is how it ended, but it wasn't like a plus B equals C. It was like 28 different variables can, Com- combined mm-hmm. to create this particular result. Yeah, yeah. It was really, it's um, it's really a, a surprising development, but very satisfying. Um, makes you. I mean, I just love the character of Peter. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, you know, it makes you go back and sort of think through this movie, and you're just like, that's a great character. I remember. Uh, another little bit of dialogue which 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 is in a way foreshadowing um and is just a great kind of character moment for me although it is you know kind of kind of violates the rule of show don't tell but um when when peter is describing you know that he his dad hung himself right hanged himself and he like had to cut him down and just mentioned that, you know, he thought maybe I was too strong. He said something mm-hmm. like that, right? He was worried mm-hmm. about me. He thought I was maybe too strong. 
and mm-hmm. Phil's just like too strong. Your dad didn't know what he was talking about, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but knowing how the events in the movie play out, and you think back to like Phil underestimating Peter, thinking of him as not a threat, thinking of you know he's like I'm the strong one. You you're right. You're you're weak. Um, when you think about that particular background, it's just like this boy cut down his father who killed himself. Like, right. what could you possibly do to him? You know? Right. Like, right. you think that your little mind games come anywhere close to that? They don't. He already lived through way worse than you, right? Right. Um, and it's And it's so cool to think back on some of their interactions and how Peter is just like, you know, he's like Sun Tzu art of war in this, mm-hmm. in this environment yeah. of like, you're not going to see any signs of it. All of your outward signs are designed to make you underestimate this person. Right. right. And not perceive them as a threat. And it's precisely because they know exactly what they're doing that, that you don't think that they are anyone, someone who could harm you. You think that they're, you know, a weak little boy you can manipulate. Right. And that's, right. that's a, that's, it, it turns out, you know, you look back and you're like, that is very much a persona that is an intentional f- misdirect, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, Which and isn't to movie, say that that's not, you know, like, I believe he made those flowers because he thought his mom would like them, right? There is a tenderness to Peter for sure. Th- but that's what makes him, I think, an amazing character mm-hmm. because he <clears throat> is a gentle kind person right yeah but he uh, at one point his father he's describing um he and phil are having a conversation and i don't remember exactly how phil started it but it was something along the lines of um you know uh it's like resistant you know you're like you have to overcome resistance over time or something to that effect right Mm -hmm. and then peter um responds by like my dad always used to say you know you just have to like identify obstacles and like get them out of the way Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and and phil's like kind of the same idea right Mm -hmm. they're sort of the same thing and when you think about that base very basic idea if you think about peter viewing phil as a simple obstacle to be removed right right that's preventing him him and his, and mother. his mother and George from yeah. just living happily, right? And being able to like make all the paper flowers and play badminton or whatever they want to do, right? Like he's and like, you are just rabbits, <laughs> right? And go to medical school, yeah. right? Like you are an obstacle to be removed. So that's what I'm going to do, right? Yeah. And you, you're a problem to be solved. And I will use what's at my disposal to solve it. But we already know that. And, and, and the movie sort of sets you on this path to assume that Peter is is weak and can be bullied and, you know, he is going to have to, you know, sort of I think the fear that we have when Phil and Peter start interacting midway through the film with more frequency is like, oh, no, who's going to protect Peter? Right. right? Yeah. There's totally. no one to protect him. I don't know that I had these thoughts at- consciously but i think in the back of my mind it was probably like wondering oh no okay so is rose gonna actually snap out of it and step up and protect her son is this is gonna come to some big conflict between phil and rose right Right. 
right. or is George going to step up? Although, to be honest, my hopes for George were not very high. I think no. I think pretty early you're like, okay, this guy is sort of like a secondary villain. <laughs> in, yeah, in just sort of, of like passively so, accepts. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so not helpful, right? Right. Um, but, but, or, you know, or is something terrible going to happen to Peter? It was like, those are the options. Is Rose going right. to do something? Is George going to do something? Or is Peter just going to be, you know, something that's going to happen with him? And right. then, then comes out of left field, like, oh no, Peter is going to take care of business, you know? Right. So cool. Yeah. That's where, um, like, that's where my sort of dread came from mm-hmm. as the film was happening because before I understood who Peter really was, which the movie reveals slowly, I was exactly like, Oh gosh, like, are we just going to watch this poor kid get, yeah. you know, like get harmed in some way, like by this, by this yeah, bully or like mind controlled, right. you know, is he going to turn him against his mother? That's going to be so sad. Right. Those kinds of right. Things. Those were all like those were the options on the table as far as I was concerned. So to see to like the slow flickering bulb of realization turn on over my head as um, as you see his sort of gradual manipulation occurring, right? Is like there's a moment, for example, toward the end where Peter there, there's a saddle, right? That was owned by Bronco Henry that Phil in like extreme close up handles with like uh extreme passion mm. right like he's he he massages the leather to a degree that is like too intense for one handling a saddle uh-huh. right uh and so at one point they're in that same barn and the saddle is there and peter sort of starts handling the leather of the saddle and asking questions about Bronco Henry. Mm. And like in that scene, uh, the way that I read it, I was like, Peter is toying with Phil right now. Mm -hmm. Peter is wanting to like handle this sort of totemic object that Phil like has imbued with like a lot of eroticism. And he is like working this leather with his hands in a yeah. way that is like meant to purposely sort of like um you know not not just sexually arouse but mentally Phil, like right. arouse Phil, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so like as these little things are peppered throughout the back half of the film, like you in- I increasingly realize the degree to which Peter was like in masterful control of the situation, mm-hmm. which was like completely surprising to me and like really exhilarating. Because I was like, oh, I had no idea yeah. what was going on. And then there's right? the cigarette, which feels so perfect. Yes. I'm sharing the cigarette. And so by the time we get to the rope, right, where he's provided rawhide to Phil, I don't know if you noticed this, but in that sequence, we spend, if you know what's happening at that point, right, like the way that, uh, or I was like, wait a second, I know that Pete, the only rawhide Peter has, he got from a diseased mm-hmm. cow, mm-hmm. right? Um, all of the camera shots in that sequence are of Phil's hands Mm. handling, submerging in water Mm -hmm. and Peter's attention. There's one really beautiful moment where the rope is very taut Mm -hmm. and being braided by Phil 
and the camera tracks along the length of the rope and we can see Phil, Peter's eyes moving from one end of the rope to Phil's hands, mm. right? And we don't even see Phil's face in right. that sequence. It's just like where it's just so, like you can tell that Peter is like laser focused on what like, is yes, happening. Yes, yes, put them in the water. <laughs> right, what is happening with <laughs> Phil's hands, right? Um, and it's like, if you were viewing it as, um, if you weren't thinking about that, you could easily view that whole sequence as something that's potentially like a Sensual. dance of seduction, right? right, right? right. Um, but when you're viewing it, at, but when you are thinking about what is Peter trying to accomplish in the sequence, and it's like Phil's demise, right? You become the camera's just like telling you what Peter's interested in, mm-hmm. right? The camera's like, this is it, like it's him submerging his hands in some anthrax water, right? right? Um, and so uh, just like, that's what, and that's one of the reasons I was so keen to rewatch the film, which I will do soon, mm-hmm. uh, because now that you know the type of person that Peter is, it makes you want to sort of revisit yeah, other yeah. parts of the film and just be like, what's going on here that I maybe missed the first time? Well, if I remember correctly, the, the very opening of the film is a voiceover with Peter saying, "That's right." You know, I all I ever wanted was for my mother to be happy, something like that, right? He's like, "Well, when he says when my father died, yeah, you know, I decided to take care of my mother because what kind of man would I be if I didn't?" Yeah, right. What kind of man would I be if I didn't if I didn't protect my mother? Right. Right. Um, so good. So yeah. Um. But I just I just mentioned the, them sharing a cigarette, which I thought was that's another one of the that's a particular moment that I think took on a really just amazing quality to me after after realizing how the movie ended because in the moment I I was a little bit behind you at this point in the film I didn't sort of put together what was happening and so and so them him giving him a few puffs of the cigarette to me was mm-hmm. in this kind of it was still in that kind of weird sensual uh sort of energy mm-hmm. for me yeah. and i was like i don't know where this is going you know but then looking back on it i'm like oh he's like phil is a dead man at that point right 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 and peter it's it's like the kiss of death it's like peter is like almost like as an act of kindness like your final meal or something mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like have a few more hits man i mean you're gonna be dead in 24 hours <laughs> you know right you know yeah. Um, uh, that it just it feels so kind of badass right right um, so I loved that but let's shift gears a little bit I, I, I want to talk about other things that were great I loved the music in this movie yeah for sure Johnny Which, uh, Greenwood do, yeah uh, another another banger from Johnny Greenwood um, I can't uh, hum it for you but uh, well actually you answer first what did you have a f- particularly favorite musical oh, I think theme? I, I mean, I remember all of it being quite um, effective. Like mm-hmm. it was very moody. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that's just stuck in my head, I still I still hear it from time to time, is this bizarre piano line mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the the kind of octave, you know, very high on the piano, uh, like and very staccato, mm-hmm. and rhythmically just bizarre like oh it was 
I like mean, de- it's... descending a little descending melody where the where the two octaves aren't perfectly syn- synchronized. Yes, they become sort of more. They become they they start off almost simultaneous. Yes, and then they sort of move farther and farther apart. Yes. Well, the way I if I'm if I heard it correctly, it was like one of the notes in this descending pattern imagine it's being played by two fingers Mm -hmm. right two separate notes and one of the fingers is playing strictly on the beat right and the other is like shifting where it is rhythmically in the measure Mm -hmm. by like i don't know like a 16th note not even like yeah like a 30 second or something because it because it goes from being like uh off to a little bit closer to on to a little bit and then eventually on the same beat again and it's mm. like this mathematical thing that's happening yeah like as things sort of fall into and out of sync repeatedly but on an extremely predictable mm. basis mm-hmm. right that was my favorite theme as well i think if i recall i'll have to watch it again uh was that largely played for rose specifically I, I I would have to watch it again to really put together. I, I don't think I was, my brain didn't really connect. It, it My brain didn't connect particular melodies or musical pieces to um, themes or characters. Like I didn't detect patterns. I just, I just noticed that the music was always really good. I thought it just paired really, really yeah. well with what, whatever was happening. Yeah. Um, yeah, agree. The music was excellent. I think that that particular theme was associated with Rose, particularly because it's almost it has a sound that is one might associate it with like a like a broken yeah player piano mm-hmm. right because it's very mechanical but it's wrong right, right? It's, it feels a little wrong um, yeah it feels like mistakes are being made a little bit yes right that's which right. would be perfectly. Uh, you know, would would be uh, uh, consistent with Rose's character because a, a huge aspect of her story in this movie has to do with um, basically her failure to to her play inability piano to play. Well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yet another example of George being just an ass. <laughs> yeah. You're like your poor wife, man. Just give her a break. You know. Right. You yeah. do you not realize how cruel this is actually right and just the the way that kirsten dunce plays the scene when the i can't i can't remember who the first people to arrive at the dinner party are if it's the governor or george's parents but either way um i think it's the governor when they walk in just if you watch her face when they walk in Mm -hmm. just the complete apprehension and anxiety on her face as she just waits to yep. be asked about yep. the piano. She can't even um, pretend to smile. Right. She's so right. miserable in that yeah. scene. Yeah. That scene was peak discomfort for me, probably. Uh, yes. Yes. Um so yeah, the music what music was great. Uh it's a great looking movie. Yeah. Obviously. Definitely. Yeah. Um you know, it's I was kind of blown away i mean not that i know really much about new zealand or much about montana for that matter but like this was a movie filmed in new zealand to look to stand in for montana Mm -hmm. and it's sort of like i it felt extremely like authentic to me not that again i actually have tremendous familiarity with like the wilds of montana but it it just um felt 
uh, barren but but vibrant, like mm-hmm. brown but alive, <laughs> you know. Um, just yeah, really really excellent setting and the the way the camera um, sort of holds the landscape and sort of uh, the way the the landscape sort of contains so much mystery. Um, there's a point early in the film where Phil and a bunch of his uh, rancher uh, employees are looking into the hills. And I think those are the hills that Bronco Henry took him into when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And they would, his, his uh, ranchers would ask a question like, what's in those hills? Yeah. And Phil answers something along the lines of like, if you can't see it, maybe it's not even there or something Mm -hmm. like that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and, uh, just the fact that there's this assertion that there's something in the Hills, but it's, if you're blind to it, you'll never Mm -hmm. understand it. Right. And so like, as a viewer, you know, you immediately like, well, I want to know what's in those Hills. Right. right? Like, I don't want to like, you can't tell me there's something in there and then not a, not show me um and so the movie does such a great job i think of like setting up these um these mysteries uh that the the place that phil goes in private uh, out in the woods um even just sort of like a door that keeps opening Mm. right or and that we sort of why can't this door stay closed Mm -hmm. um these are all just like little things that uh just create this air of of mystery and make and make the film sort of just look great and feel just have that air of uh elusiveness to it that i that i really enjoyed yeah yeah same i mean i think it's it's a movie that for most of the runtime it's beautiful haunting the music is very effective makes you uncomfortable but you don't know really what's from a plot perspective you don't really know where it's going or if it's even really going anywhere it feels it yeah. feels like it this could just be more of a character study kind of movie you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. might it might end with uh without much of a climax um and then for it to kind of be like no 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 we were definitely going somewhere right? yeah, yeah <laughs> with all yeah. this to me it was just it was sort of the icing on the cake because i I would. I think even if it hadn't had the ending, we'd be talking right now, and I probably wouldn't be as, you know, effusive about it. But I still mm-hmm. would have thought it was really strong, um, yeah. For those other things, for the, for just the beautiful setting, the 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 atmosphere of it, the music and the performances, obviously, are are all quite strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything? Is there anything that you would change? Do you want to? F- any any fix the movie ideas? I don't uh, think I have anything. I personally. I don't think so. I I, I quite loved it. Um, there. Uh, I wish George weren't such a uh, useless character. I think one tiny note that I feel like the film uh, does do, but I would like to have seen slightly more is the film asserts that Phil is like brilliant, right? Um, right. And 
but I don't know that there's a ton like like academically brilliant, mm-hmm. right? Um, he seems like a perfectly good rancher. Um, he seems like a, a pretty great musician, from what I can gather, right? Um, and but I would have loved to have like let the mask slip mm-hmm. one or two times for him to reveal like some like some knowledge that he possessed that you know you wouldn't expect a rancher in montana necessarily to know yeah um and i felt like the movie just sort of yada yada that part uh and was like trust us he's brilliant right and it's <laughs> like it's like okay but you know you're he's like hanging out with peter who's quite well you know who's like uh studying to be a doctor they could definitely have like an academic conversation potentially um uh, but yeah. I just felt like that was one thing that they did a little bit of telling and not showing. Or well, yes, I, that's I, what I, mean. I I could see that. Um, I would offer a my my counter argument to that is that it, I, it it was fine. I was fine with it, and I think my reason is I didn't feel like the point of that particular reveal was to make us think, "Oh, Phil is brilliant." To me, mm-hmm. it was very much this is fake phil is a this is a persona right like Mm -hmm. like phil is not a rancher because his pop was a rancher and that's just like the way Mm -hmm. he was it's like he went this guy he went to yale Mm -hmm. he has decided to be this kind of person and live this kind of lifestyle because he cares he actually cares very much about how he's perceived Mm-hmm. And this is this is the kind of person he wants to be like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and you know, like you said, it's not not doesn't count for nothing for me. The you're you're aware of his musical ability, you're aware of his sort of powers of manipulation, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, I think he's clearly smart. I don't I didn't need like an academic sort of erudite like reference to be tossed out or anything. To me, it was. Mm-hmm. Like I said, not so much like oh Phil's a genius. It's 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 this is an artificial kind of forced life that he's chosen right. to live. Right, right. And I think I mean just um, the fact that when you first see the house, really, it immediately right. changes the way you see these characters. You're like this seems They're like rich. a really yeah. nice kind of upper class <laughs> home. Yeah. They've got servants. Like this is not what I thought their life was yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that um, they, like, have all these cattle uh, and all of these hides and that Phil's plan for them is to just keep them or burn them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, like, a primary source of income, you're just choosing to not Because they don't need use? them. They don't need Because they don't all. need them, yeah. right. Um, yeah, I, I think I ultimately agree with you that, you know... Uh, far be it for me the movie is so well handled and so like exacting throughout that for me to assert like they should change some little thing about it it's mm-hmm. sort of like i don't i wouldn't pretend to know better but that was yeah. something that um and it, it's funny the the point that you've raised which is this is fake i actually think that that is ultimately the thing that i wanted to see like more evidence of mm-hmm. right like um, like the way I described it earlier, just in this conversation, I was like, I, w- I want to see the mask slip. Right. Right. Um, but I, I think in some ways, really, the 
the heart of it the, is not that Phil is, uh, you know, classically, traditionally educated. That's not the real Phil. The real Phil is the one who uh, goes swimming by himself, right? And like fantasizes about like reuniting with his with Bronco Henry, exactly. Like, and we d- yeah. and we do get to see that. Yeah, I think right? that's that's the mask slipping is the scene where he's lying with the Bronco Henry, you know, handkerchief or whatever it is. Right. Right. Um. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like right. You mess with greatness. Uh, there's always a risk of. Anything we would suggest, I think your suggestion, you know, might might have been a slight improvement, but it's like, also, this movie's already so strong, right? I'd be very, I'd be very, it's like, a, very it's like I'm picturing like a Jenga tower where most of the pieces, you know, the middles and the sides have been removed, and it's sort of like, yeah, good luck. Any one piece you pull, <laughs> you're probably gonna break the whole thing. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I, I, it sounds like we don't really have a lot more fix the movie left to discuss. Um, I had suggested we sort of defer themes until the very end here. I think we've kind of covered a, a lot of it indirectly. I, I think to mm-hmm. me, what to me, Peter is the central character. Obviously, well, Phil is, yes. you know, arguably, but F- Peter kind of ends up being the protagonist. And right, um, right. To me, what makes his character so interesting and so special, and to me is kind of the theme of the movie, is that as we talked about, he is gentle. He he is gentle and soft, but strong. Yes. And I think you so rarely see a character like that, even including, I think you could probably come up with examples that are ostensibly like that, but mm-hmm. all too, like take a movie like Nobody, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like this meek character who, oh wait, no, he actually can beat up and kill people, right? Right. It's like a character who comes across initially as soft, but then reveals that they're actually hard. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel Peter is not hard. He's strong. No. There's a difference. Right. 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 And, and, and he maintains, he doesn't, it's not like he, you know, does martial arts and beats up Phil, right? That's not his way. And his whole motivation is gentleness and protecting his mother mm-hmm. and he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish by being gentle and soft mm-hmm. and um and unthreatening to phil mm-hmm. and that ultimately has him emerge victorious so to me it really feels like this movie in such a unique way i'm sure it's not like literally the only movie that's ever done this but it feels right. very unusual and special to have this message of, you know, being strong doesn't mean being traditionally masculine or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like anything like that. Like this is, it's a it's a different version of strength, I feel, that it's sharing with the audience. Yeah. Um, and one that really resonates with me because I feel like this is a form of strength that is, you know, generally overlooked, not not really acknowledged. That's right. And that's what no, makes this movie so special to me. When we when you at the top of this conversation was like let's talk about themes later, you know, mentally in that moment I was sort of quickly rolodexing through like what would I what would I say the themes of this movie are when mm-hmm. we get to it later. And the word that occurred to me was strength. Yeah. Right? Which felt strange initially, right? Like, oh really this is a movie about s- strength? Cuz like the most obvious like character who is 
you know, stereotypically strongest is Phil, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the more the more we had this conversation, the more we talked about it, the more I thought about it, I totally agree with you that this is a, a, a truly great examination of where strength lies and how one wields it, mm-hmm. right? Um, when I think about other characters in movies that are um, soft but strong, right? I think about uh, a character like Tim Robbins' character from the Shawshank Redemption, mm. Andy Dufresne, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, great example. Like, he is, like, I think that's one of the enduring things about that movie is how he, it's his strength, it's his perseverance and sort of strength of will and, you know, his his intellect that get him through a horrible situation, mm-hmm. right? And ultimately emerge victorious, right? And I think there's something, because uh, there's something extremely appealing about that being portrayed in a movie because um, who's, you know, who are the biggest movie stars in the world right now? I think most, if not all of them, are just pretty ripped dudes, right? <laughs> Who are like, yeah. it's, the rock. It's, it's the rock, right? right? Dwayne Johnson. And it's like, none of us are going to be the rock, right? Um, and we're sort of made to feel by like sort of modern Hollywood standards, like that's what it takes mm-hmm. to be a heroic, strong person is you have to be able to, you know, to bench 400 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, the, the power of the dog uh, is sort of reminding us that it's like, well, real strength, you know, is is as much a mental thing as it is a physical perseverance thing. It's as much a psychological approach as it is anything else, yeah. right? Um, and I think just the, the way that this movie sort of realistically i don't know if realistically is too strong a word but like it was extremely believable the way the movie wielded peter's sort of emotional psychological intellectual strength to his advantage to the point where by the end of the film like i mentioned i was like i actually developed like worry for (laughs) phil right right i was like this guy's in over his head Peter right. He's far no outmatches her. Right. 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 Yeah, I think, you know, um, I think the Shawshank example is a really good one. Um, and I, when I think, though, of what, how, how are these movies similar and how are they different? Um, and I don't know if this really, if, if this necessarily falls under the umbrella of strength, but I think it's noteworthy that thinking of Tim Robbins' character in Shawshank, Andy, um, mm-hmm. He he comes in, and yes, the other prisoners are sort of making fun of him, right? Because he looks really soft. Right. But over the course of the movie, they come to really respect him, and, and by the end, it's sort of... He's a character who um, has achieved a degree of glory within the mm-hmm. prison, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of a legend to a lot of them there. Right. Which is very satisfying in its own way. But I right. think you compare it with this film... Yes. Where, like you said, 
No one even knows that Peter had anything to do with what happened to Phil at the end. Right. He just quietly accomplished what he set out to accomplish. He yeah. doesn't need any credit for it. His mom will never even know that right. he did that, right? Right. That's right. Um and there's something there's something very appealing about that to me and again very unique about that yep. to me too. Um Something it reminds me of actually a little bit is the film The Lives of Others. Have you seen that movie? Yes. Yep. You know how that one ends. And n- admittedly, that movie does give this character a bit of satisfaction in the very end, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But th- there's sort of like a, a quiet hero of that movie who, mm-hmm. at least w- when he performs the actions he performs, no one knows that he did it. Right. right, and um, but it sort of it 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 very much influences the the way the movie turns out, and I feel like Peter's like that, where yeah. he didn't do it for the glory. He didn't. He doesn't need anyone to even know. Like mm-hmm. Phil, like Phil dies still thinking that he and Peter have something special, right? Like he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't fall victim to the like I want you to know it was me. It's like mm-hmm. doesn't need any of that, right? Right. All of that is completely unnecessary. And and frankly, in a way, you know, I guess maybe it does fall under strength a little to me because to me it's like that's what weaker people need to validate themselves. Right. Right. Credit. And yeah. Peter just doesn't need that. Um, right. And so, yeah. I don't know. This is one of those this is one of those conversations where I feel like we've probably talked Peter up to each other. <laughs> like to right. like him even right. more. I, at least I right. do. I mean, I already yeah. liked him quite a bit, but the more we talk about him, the more I'm just like, all right, I've decided. Peter's like one of the greatest <laughs> heroes, <laughs> cinematic heroes ever, you know? Well, I, I might, it's funny. I might backpedal on that a little, but... It's, just... it's funny because by the end of the film, I I almost... Um, th- this sounds uh, kind of crazy based on everything that we just said, but I was almost like repulsed by Peter. Yeah, right. I know what you mean. I know. Well, for me, it was so shocking, and it's sort of like I totally, I was almost expecting by the point we're reaching this, you know, f- like the final scene, I was mm-hmm. expecting maybe like Phil was gonna sort of turn around and become a nicer guy because mm. of Peter, right. which is sort of its own kind of happy outcome. And then when it's like, no, Peter's killing Phil. <laughs> It's just it's just so much darker, right? Yeah. And you're like, whoa. It it I mean the ending in some ways is is similar to the scene where, you know, in one shot Peter's showing his mom this new bunny and she's petting him and right. then like just moments later he's killed it and is dissecting it and you're like, Oh, there's a darkness to Peter. Right? Yes. It it is a, there's a cl- he is clinical. Mm-hmm. Right, he's sort of like unemotional about the things that he has to do. Yeah, he's like, look, if I want to be a doctor, I need to learn how to dissect an, uh, a living creature, and yeah. this is the living creature that I have. So you know, yeah, like, what else do you want me to do? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and there's something about, um, I think Peter understands in a way that. Phil obviously cannot comprehend that their relationship is a fantasy, mm-hmm. right? The 
Phil's perception that they are growing close, that they are that they have things in common, that they could grow to be friends or even lovers someday. I the way that I read it or read it is that Peter knows. It's like this is that's absurd. I'm I'm manipulating this person into believing all of this, mm-hmm. right? So there was this weird little sort of part of me that sort of thought the same thing that you did. I was like, oh, I wonder if like Peter's going to like transform Phil, mm-hmm. right? But I realized thinking about it, it's like he can't because that would require that Peter like give more of himself to Phil in a relationship of some kind that he's never going to give. Mm-hmm. And Peter knows this about himself. Peter's like, you know, the only way that Phil is like turning a corner is if he and I become like best friends for life, which, you know, is not happening. Right. right. I'm not willing to I'm not willing to like perpetuate this facade for that long, the charade for that long. And so like when he gets the opportunity, he's like, I just did what had to be done. Right. Yeah. Like I need I needed to get Phil out of the picture. And so I did. And so I think that like little that little glimmer of hope I had was like, this is going to be a tragedy with a happy ending. Right. <laughs> where it's like, um, you know, so, like it, it where everybody gets what they want and everybody's happy at the end because that's sort of my natural like inclination in life is for people to sure. want that for people. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's normal. Uh, it was just sort of like by the end i i sort of couldn't accept with the speed that peter did i was like no phil's a dead man walking mm-hmm. right that's the only way this can end right cuz can you imagine if peter ever pulled the rug out from phil and was like actually like i don't feel that way about you mm. and i don't want to spend more time with you it would be explosively bad for no, peter I mean, the only the only way it could is if is if it did, you know, if they did become lovers, probably, right? Right. The only way right. for it to end. But but, but even then, um, I agree with you that that was never a possibility because Peter's motivation is taking care of his mother. Right. Phil just can't exist, right? Right. It's pretty much that simple. Right. And I think that's exactly why, like, at one, even though during as the film was unwinding and I and it was clear what Peter was doing I sort of felt this pity for Phil and this sort of um you know I felt very tisk tisky toward Peter where I was like oh this is cruel what you're doing is unkind right mm-hmm. and manipulative and I think in some ways like if I were if if Peter were able to step out of the movie and talk to me in that moment he'd be like how did you think this was going to end mm-hmm. right like what, what did you have me do right it sort of like reminds me of that sequence in Rushmore where Max Fisher like um, approaches. Uh, oh, what is her name? What is his his romantic the teacher uh, obsession? Yeah, um, uh, whatever. Right, and she's I'll, like, I'll, I'll and she's like, what did you think we were gonna do? <laughs> right? Did you think we were gonna become lovers? Yeah, you're like a boy, right? Like, come on, Miss Cross. That's right. That's her name, Rosemary Cross. Like, and he's so taken aback by it he's like well not you know you say it like right it's, no, you make it sound so dirty she's like right. well it is right <laughs> it like, would be absurd and you realize that like he was harboring in rushmore like an impossible fantasy yeah 
right? Um, and that's sort of how I realized that I was watching The Power of the Dog, right? I'm sort of like, I'm like, oh, come on, Peter. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to do, he's like, yes, I do. Yeah. There's, you know, have you, have you not thought this through? Because I have, right? Um, and it's why, like, looking back on it, I just have that much more appreciation for it because yeah. of how clear-eyed Peter is and how well the movie obfuscates and lets you um, sort of believe the wrong thing mm. for as long as you do, right? Um, it's just, yeah, so so well done. Um, All right. Yeah. Are we going to beam this movie up, Adam? Yes, beam it so hard. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Let's beam it. One of the best of the year. That's kind of the... That's the framework. Yeah. Was that was that like a quiet beaming noise? That was me. I have amended the beaming button hmm. to be uh, Sounds the like whistling. Sounds like a little birdie now. <laughs> the whistling motif from this movie. Oh, that you were singing the melody. I totally... Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Sp- yeah. Speaking of you know, speaking of not knowing characters' motivations, when that when that first happened, I literally wasn't sure if I was like, is he is he trying to be a jerk or is he trying to sort yeah. of like bond with her right now? <laughs> it it became pretty clear in like the very yeah. next scene. I was like, okay, jerk. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Yeah. The um, it's funny because when you think back on the movie and the ways that um Phil torments Rose, uh the way that Peter responds, it feels disproportionate, right? Like Phil wasn't going to kill Rose, right? He like sure. play, he plays banjo and she's playing piano and he whistles at her and uh, he like passively aggressively leaves a door open upon entering the house. Yeah, but a man right? who emotionally destroys your mother and turns her to alcoholism is is a man <laughs> A man who's is not a good person, <laughs> right? Right. That's right. But it's just. But I think, like, the on paper, the things that Phil does don't seem that bad. Right. 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 It's just. It's just like. Oh, I'm sorry, Your Honor. I played the but, banjo. <laughs> right. Right. I, last I checked, that was not a crime to play to play banjo along with someone playing piano. Right. And that's where I think, but I think what's so masterful about that particular sequence, the sequence where she's trying to practice that one piece and he begins playing banjo along with her mm-hmm. and it unnerves her, mm-hmm. right? Is as a viewer, I completely understood her point of view. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, even though it's silly, it's like he's playing the banjo at the same time as you. Just like tell him to knock it off yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. But it's like, but everything up till that point, everything that follows it, it's just like you understand how she is a much more, um, and I, I don't say this, I don't use this disparagingly, but she's just a much more fragile person, mm-hmm. right? And needs to be handled with care, which is why um, she and George are generally such a good fit for one another, aside from his complete blindness to the fact that she is not interested in playing the piano for other people. Mm-hmm. But like, he's a very like gentle guy yeah uh who wants to just care for her and take care and that's the kind of guy that she wants and needs probably Mm -hmm. um and so uh just like the fact that the movie took what is 
I think very in in the wrong hands would come off as very benign things that Phil was doing and really helped you see and understand like why they were so upsetting or how they made Rose feel not even why, but just how they made Rose feel. Yeah. Um, just, I was really, really impressed by that sequence because I felt the same dread that Rose did watching that piano sequence and looking back on it, it's like, you just playing a banjo, but <laughs> yeah. Or her in the alley, you know, with him just whistling out the window. Right. Similar. Right. And she I was sort of a, like physically kind of collapses from right. how that affects her. Yeah. I was listening to an interview with Benedict Cumberbatch and he, I didn't even really realize this. He was like, there are no guns in this movie. Mm. Right. Like there, there it's, there's basically no violence at all. Right. Right. Um, Unless you count this what happens is, to that poor rabbit. <laughs> right. Or him like smacking at a horse with yeah, a hat. Right. That's true. Yeah. But it, but it's like very comparatively for a you know for a he's like it's you know for us to call it a western is pretty far afield from mm-hmm. what it is because right. like there's not a gun in this movie yeah right it's all of the all of the the dread and sort of threat that you feel is like completely psychological right yep um and just yeah just another so at any rate, the fact that you do feel all that without really any direct threat of specific violence is um, it's just, just good film. Really, 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 really tremendous work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we obviously loved it. We beamed it up. Mm-hmm. Hope the yep. astronaut enjoys it. Yep. I look forward to the next Jane Campion film in, in 13 years. years. 13 right. years. Yeah. Well, maybe she'll do some TV shows and stuff in the meantime. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, well, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been a Space Flicks episode, a Space Flicks joint. <laughs> I'm Adam. I'm Dan. Good Take night. care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.